You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. Uh, let us turn from the portion of scripture uh, from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. And I'm going to just look at uh, short uh, passage. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, uh, verses 2 to 6. Just four verses. Let us hear God's word. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our masses, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing. Paul mentioned chain here, and we know that this letter is written in the prison. And Epaphras, who had converted under Paul's ministry, planted the church in Colossae. But after some times, the Colossian heresy, probably Jewish mysticism, charmed the church. And this mystery religion promised the glimpse of heavenly vision. And they said which, uh, this vision can be achieved by keeping the Mosaic law strictly and by practicing asceticism. And they also thought that angel would guide them to this heavenly journey. And this is why in Colossae, they worshipped angels. And Epaphras reported this to Paul, and Paul wrote later to warn from this heresy. And this prison section is a conclusion of his letter. Paul emphasized three things in this concluding, concluding verse. First thing he emphasized is the power of prayer. Second thing he emphasizes the power of the gospel, which is equated with the mystery of Christ. And the third thing he emphasizes the power of Christian conduct and witness. So the power of prayer, the power of the gospel, and the power of Christian conduct and witness. So the first thing, the power of the prayer. It seems that the Colossians had fallen asleep spiritually. The imagery Paul draws here is from the guard duty. The Colossian had fallen, a fail in their guard duty. As a result, heresy crept in, which brought chaos and confusions in the life of the believers. 
And, the Pauls, and Paul said that the problem entered because they failed to pray. They failed to pray watchfully. And remember, Paul reflects Jesus' words. Remember, Jesus warned his disciple at Gethsemane. Jesus said, Jesus came to the disciple and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me an hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Colossians had failed to watch and pray. And they were, they entered into temptation. So it is the power of prayer that would put off the fiery, fiery arrows of the devil. And this is why prayer is inevitable in Christian life, both individually and collectively as a church. And Paul also asks to pray for him and for his companions. Verse 3, he said, at the same time, pray for us. And we know that Paul is a super apostle, a great preacher, and a great evangelist. But he is saying that he too needed the prayers. Without prayers, his mission would have been impossible. Not almost impossible, but his mission would have been impossible without prayers. Paul said that God would open the door in response to their earnest prayers. And we know door is a metaphor which refers to an opportunity for evangelistic ministry. And this is used in many instances in the New Testament. For example, Acts chapter 14, verse 27 And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. 2 Corinthians 2.12 When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord. The door of Nepal for mission was shut tightly up until 1950. The missionary were not allowed it into Nepal. There had always been an open border between Nepal and India. India had already become a secular country, and missionary were allowed it in India, but not in Nepal. And around that time, Scottish missionaries namely Reverend William McFarlane and Reverend Archibald Turnbell established the mission center in Darjeeling, which is at the border of Nepal. And because there is no barrier between Nepal and India, Nepalese people would go and work at the border, and many Nepalese people were converted under the work of Scottish missionaries. And Nepal's first pastor ever known was converted under the ministry of William McFarlane. And his name was Ganga Prasad Pradhan. And they persistently prayed for the door to be open for the world. And Mr. Pradhan, the first pastor ever known, composed a wonderful hymn of prayers in these words. 
This is in English. In Nepali, it's like very rhymic. But this is in English. I would like to read these prayers. He wrote like this. This is a song of prayers, a hymn of prayers. O Lord, hear our prayer. Open the door of salvation for the Gorkhalis. Gorkhas means Nepali soldier, British Nepali soldiers. Open the door of salvation for the Gorkhalis. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, hear our petition. Show us the way by a cloudy, fiery pillar. Peoples of different regions are to east, west, and south. Tibet, which is China, is north, and Nepal, our homeland, is in the middle. There are cities, Thapathali, Bhadgaon, Patan, Kathmandu. Our desire is to make them your devotees. Up, brothers, we must go, ignoring hate and shame, leaving wealth, people, and comfort to do the holy tasks in that land. After some years, God answered their prayers. The big door of mission was wide open for the word of God into Nepal for the first time. The anti-Christian dictator was dethroned and the new king restored the democracy and missionaries were warmly welcomed and the missionaries, especially Scottish missionaries, were at the forefront. They entered into Nepal and revealed the mystery of Christ. And as I said, today, Nepal is one of the rapid Christian growing country in the world. Nepal is being conquered by the prayers of Scottish missionaries, your forefathers. What they had done is amazing. And they had sparked the flame of the gospel for the first time in the history of Nepal. Do you see the power of prayers in action? Prayers can move God to open the door that is shut for ages. We must never underestimate the power of prayers. We ought to pray for missionaries in the world who might be waiting for the door to be opened. Pray that they may proclaim the gospel clearly and boldly, as Paul said here. And remember, the success of the missionaries and preachers actually depends on your prayers. Yes, we need preparation. Yes, we need other resources. But the primary is prayers. And Paul is emphasizing this over and over and over and over again. The success of every missionaries, every preachers, actually depends on prayers. There is the power of prayer. Secondly, the power of the gospel. Paul said that the door might be open for us, to us, for the word, that's God's word, to declare the mystery of Christ. And the term mystery would have been an eye-catching term for the Colossians because they were caught up in this mystery religion. And this is why Paul used this term mystery four times throughout this letter. And remember, Paul is not saying about mystery of Christ. Paul is saying mystery, sorry, Paul is not saying mystery about Christ, but he is saying mystery of Christ. So let us pause, what is the mystery of Christ? 
An answer lies in the reason of Paul's imprisonment. Paul said that he was imprisoned because he preached the mystery of Christ. So what did Paul preach is the answer of the mystery of Christ. Paul preached the free admission of the Gentiles on equal terms of privileges of the covenant without temple worship and without keeping the Jewish law. Remember, Judaizers were saying, if you want to uh, enjoy the heritage of Israel, you have to be circumcised, you have to keep the Mosaic law, and then you will enjoy. And Paul is saying, no, Christ is sufficient. So Paul preached God's salvation to the world. This salvation which is not based on the law of Moses, but based on the faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul was accused for. Remember, the Jews thought that Paul had brought the Trophimus, the Ephesian, a Gentile, into the temple in Jerusalem. And this was uh, the reason why he was thrown into prison. In Acts chapter 22, 21, verses 27 and 29, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stir up the whole crowd and sees him shouting, Men of Israel, this is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and our law and this place. So when Paul thought that Gentiles are enjoying the heritage of Israel without temple and without the law, it was actually blasphemy to these Judaizers. They thought Paul was a blaspheming. He was what he was teaching. So Paul was saying that even Gentiles are justified by faith and not by works of the law and circumcision, which the Jews took as great offense. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6 clarifies this. And he used the word again, mystery. The mystery is that the Gentiles which are us, our fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Not through Mosaic law or through temple worship, but through gospel. And gospel is the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the mystery of Christ is the union with Christ. Remember, he said, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ. That is the union with Christ without keeping the law. So the mystery of Christ is, the mystery is Christ dying on the cross, which has broken the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles, and also had broken the barrier between God and man. So there is a horizontal and vertical reconciliation achieved by the cross. And you know, in Ephesians chapter 2, the dividing wall had been broken. The effect of the cross, vertical and horizontal reconciliation had been achieved. There is one humanity, neither Jews nor Gentiles, neither slave or free. We are one in Christ. And Jews and Gentiles had been brought under the one headship of Christ and under one covenant and whose mediator is Christ himself. 
And this is the mystery of Christ, which was hidden for ages, but it had been revealed through the gospel. And God had entrusted the church to unveil this mystery to the world through the preaching, evangelism, and mission. And Paul knows this very, very well. This is why he is jealous to do evangelistic work in Colossae. And this is why he asked them to pray that he would come there and do evangelistic work. So this is what a minister does every Sunday, revealing the mystery of Christ. This is what an evangelist does, and this is what missionaries are doing throughout the world, risking their lives in sharing the gospel. And this is what the Scottish missionaries did when they entered into Nepal, proclaiming the mystery of Christ. And it should be our mission to take the mystery of Christ known, to make the mystery of Christ known in the city of Dundee and in the surrounding areas. And are we prepared to do so? Are we ready to proclaim mystery to the dying world? May God open the door wide for mission in this area so that the mystery of Christ may be proclaimed and many lives may be saved. Thirdly and finally, Paul emphasized the power of Christian conduct and witness. The gospel is proclaimed to people through the means of preaching and Christian conduct. And this is emphasized in verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, that means non-believers, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer its person. Notice the word walk in verse 4. It is not movement of body, but is a conduct of life. Paul is commanding to conduct our life in wisdom towards outsider, that is to say to live such a self-scrutinized life that no cause for stumbling or misinterpretation will be placed in any person's way. Our speech must be gracious, seasoned with salt. And salt is used to season food and also to use to preserve it from corruption. And just like the salt, our speech ought to be attractive with spiritual charm. It must not be empty or insipid, but must be worthwhile. And this is what to be the radical disciple of Jesus whose characters are described on the Sermon on the Mount, the one who loves the enemies, the one who prays for those who persecute, the one who pays good for evil, the one who gives another cheek if someone slaps him or her. And remember, the world is always watching us and our conduct. And Jesus and Paul is saying to take the opportunity to act like a mirror that reflects Christ's attitude and nature to people around us so that they may see Christ in you and in me. So there is a power in Christian conduct that can lead people to Christ. But this certainly doesn't mean that we must not use words as Francis of Assisi would say. We must use words and also Christian conduct to attract 
people around us. One Christian said rightly that God has given five gospels. There is a gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and there is a gospel according to you. Paul also talks about uh, this uh, gospel according to uh, you. The world is always reading uh, us. Paul also talks about making the best use of time. And I would like to look the Greek verb he used. It is very interesting one. In ancient world, people would travel from one city to another to sell their stuffs. People had to buy some special things in ancient world as soon as they saw it before the traders moved from one city to another. Otherwise, they might not get it. It was not like today. Once you click on the website and the things would be delivered to your home. So the intention of Paul using this verb when he said make best use of time is this. He is saying to make the best use of every opportunity. In other words, don't just sit there and wait for wonderful opportunity to evangelize, but go after it. Seize the opportunity to witness Christ. Run after him or her as the people would run to buy their rare things in ancient world. Seize the chance whenever it is possible. It might be on the bus, might be in the cafe, or in the swimming pool, or in the shopping center, or in other, another place. You have opportunity now. Don't say tomorrow, but do it now. This is what Paul is emphasizing. Who knows what happened tomorrow? Make the most of every opportunity, said Paul, because the days are evil. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul says, Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Who knows a person you are hoping to evangelize tomorrow might go to eternal damnation today. Remember, it is God who opens the door of people's heart and it is our task to evangelize through our lips and conduct. You know, the women of Samaria and Jesus, Jesus went there and Jesus broke many barriers. At that time, men should not talk to women, but Jesus took opportunity. He seized opportunity and evangelized this woman. I think after Jesus left, this woman never, this woman of Samaria never met Jesus again. Jesus took the opportunity. And also remember when Paul was being taken into prison and after he was arrested in, uh, in, in Jerusalem, he was taken into the prison and there were crowd who were trying to kill him and he asked a permission to address the crowd. And the Roman government said, do you know Greek? And Paul says, yes, I know Greek. I am a Roman citizen. And he said, on you go. And what Paul did, he evangelized. He revealed the mystery of Christ. He seized the opportunity. And this is the significance of this verb he used here in Greek. So let us take opportunity. Let's not say tomorrow. 
because people are easily diverse and God has given chance and who knows what happens tomorrow. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, for the glory of the union with Christ, for the glory of the gospel, and for the glory of the cross. We are so grateful, Lord, because you have given to us as the light of our feet. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who made peace with you, despite we hated you, we turn our backs. You so loved the world that you gave your one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, help us to proclaim this mystery to the people who are dying in their sins. Lord, you are a God who doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked, but you want them to be saved, and you have entrusted this gospel to us and help us, Lord, to be your faithful servant, to reveal this glory to people, to shed the light of the gospel to people, to be the aroma of Christ that people may be attracted and they may come to this knowledge and they may be saved and they may have their thirst replaced with satisfaction. Lord, help us to carry this mission throughout the world. And you would be with missionaries who are suffering, who are waiting doors to be open. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would be with them and you would help them as they proclaim the message of immortality to the every corners of the earth, that you would be with them and you would bless their works. Go before us, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.